Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Johnson in the flesh via Zoom. Right, God, cool. it's great to see you, man. How you been? Yeah, yeah, same, man. Hey, we finally, we finally connected, huh? I know it. You know, we were gonna do this like during the season, and I, you know, a little selfish on my part. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, you know what? Let's just do it Q and A style. Let's get to know Stevie, where you're from, talk about those Bills glory days, what you're right, doing these right. days. But uh, I figured, you know we'd circle back to this and get some fans involved. So thank, yeah. thanks so much for just being incredible. Yeah. Why, why not, man? This is what, this is what it's about. This is what we do it for. You know, it's what we do yeah. it for. I mean, uh, I, I've said it before. We talked about it. I don't think that like the bills of today are what they are in terms of like being fun and cool. And obviously the quote unquote bills mafia, whatever you want to think about it. Like it took on a life of its own and it started with you. Like when the bills were pretty boring and you know lose yeah. not just losing but they were losing they were bad but they weren't fun at all and you brought the yeah. fun i it think was, that affected us that was too many negative things right there you know we had to turn at least one of them things into into a positive and you know uh, uh, amongst us trying to you know win those games and and break those that that streak that that drought that we was in you know at least we got we got to have the, have the fans get their money's worth you know so you know, I just, I'm just happy that they uh, that they win it now. You know, at, ultimately. What was it really like? And, and we'll open it up here. I'm sure we got a lot of Bills fans in here. They got a lot to ask. But you know, when you came in, what was the environment really like? What did you notice around you, and how did it really change? Um, the environment it just it just seemed like like people was just just there to just there to be there in a sense, you know. It seemed like a professional, not a professional, but it seemed like a business environment. I'm not going to say 
uh, it was good or bad, but it was just business. That's all you would think about. Um, and then I was just like, you know, <laughs> I look into the stands and I look into at the field, I look into the stands and I'm like the crowd going crazy, but the, the players ain't really connecting with them. So, you know, I just, I just said, I'm gonna have my opportunity and I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to bridge that gap. And, you know, essentially we hear, I do a lot of these, these, uh, you know, interviews or, you know, things in a, in a community. And, it's, and that's where it started from too, you know? So it's to all the fans that basically allow me to do what I do and seeing the love from them, it just makes it, it just makes it better. You know, it's a snowball effect. Um, so, you know, that's, that's pretty much where it, where it came from. Jabron Hamden found you up the sideline for in the preseason, right? Like yeah, in, yeah, that's what yeah. You- Jabron, man, look, like Jabron, good quarterback, man. We actually had some, <laughs> we had some words before he found me up the sideline. He uh, he was he wanted me to run the hitch or or he wanted me to run the hitch. Man, the fans didn't want to see a hitch. I, I just felt like the fans was ready to see a go ball or so or something. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm pointing down at a different uh, a different route, and he like no. Dude, run this time about to go off. He call hike. He see I'm still taking off. He just throw it up. We make a we make a play. Um, yeah. thankful that I made a play. And then that was the first. I think that was the first time when when you know the crowd seen like oh we got a, a kid here that's got some type of spark or some energy, you know. And um, it was just a blessing. You feel me? Exactly. That was when it was like, okay, who's this seventh rounder from Kentucky with the dreads? That's really excited about a preseason, you know, catch right. and it kind of snowballed. Right. Um, Cause you, I mean, you know what I'm saying? You got to understand where, where we come from as a seventh rounder, you know, you, you're not supposed to, you're not going to be playing mostly, you know, you're not going to be playing or you go get, be on a different team. So I was just in the mindset, like, you feel me? I need to make a play because I need to be in the NFL right now. You feel me? I got a daughter, you know, I got, you know, my wife and it's just like, I, and I was, I was the guy back home. So, you know, I can't not make it. That's what I just felt. Like. I can't not make it. So I got to do something. And what it was, was it was the fans. I'm saying that's why I do so much because without the fans, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't do what I do and, and be who I was. So, um, man, it's just, it's just love both ways. All right, Joe, you usually get this party started, right? Uh, Buffalo wins in the house. Let's hear it. I put the pressure on me already. Uh, Stevie, how you doing, man? Uh, Hello, Joe. Good question for you. Um, recently the, the whole thing with the NFL, there's been this talk about tanking and like, you know, t- you know, losing for a higher draft pick. And it reminded me of the one time, and you were on this team, the 2010 Bills, where they finished 4-12. and They started 0-8. And I kind of remember, like, as a fan, being, like, between a rock and a hard place where I wanted you guys to kind of lose so you can get Cam Newton. And then you guys went on kind of a run the second half of the season. Did you remember in that locker room that year? And I do feel like you guys – it was a rebuilding year. Like, they, they cut a lot of people off from the Jerron years. Do you remember hearing stuff in the locker room, like, kind of, like – any sort of whispers like hey we should be like kind of bad because then we can draft cam newton maybe number one and then you know cam newton stevie combination would have been pretty ill you know in 2011 or whatever the case would be no disrespect to fits but did you ever hear that sort of stuff like during the year like i would say like 2010 like was that was the year that you guys i think finished with the you guys had the third pick which was darius but do you do you at all remember any of that sort of stuff happening then 
No, no, good question. Good question. And and from that, now that I'm on the outside looking in, I can understand why, you know, the outside the eyes would think that of a team. Like maybe they would think that of the Miami Dolphins, you know, with them losing all the games, I believe they lost all the games um, so that they can get a top pick. But on the inside, not at all. You, you don't, it's kind of disrespectful. You would probably get into a fight with, a, you know what I'm saying, another player. Um, if they was taken, if they was tanking and, and if you were tanking, you know what I'm saying? Thinking, thinking if you're like a, a vet on a team, you know, you'll be there and you're just trying to get a good, you know, you, it gotta be personal. It's gotta be something done internally because, you know, I think people, people work too hard. You know, you, we wake up at four, you know, we wake up at four o'clock in the morning to get our bodies right to go and then come back home around, you know, seven, eight, whatever. If we, if you really, in there and to be taken like that, that's it's disrespectful. So um no, I just think I just think it's about the about the team. You gotta you gotta coexist as one and you know the ball gotta go your way some a, a small percentage. But um to answer the question, no nah, never never have we even heard that in the locker room of somebody wanting to um not go hard, you know, for the win. Uh, Mike has his hand up there in the in the Zoom. Let's hear it, man. Hey, hey Stevie. Um, my question for you is, I always thought that your footwork was, like, just so elite. And being a seventh-round pick, to have that um, have that type of footwork to get open, I always remember like, that one move you had against Revis, I think it was in Toronto, where you just, like, left him in the dirt. Did you play basketball, or what did you do to – get that type of footwork and how did that get overlooked through your, your scouting process when you were drafted? Yeah. Hey, um, good question is it'll provide good Intel for, you know, viewers and listeners. Um, basketball was big in my, in my sports career. And when I was growing up, we all played basketball. That's where I got the, you know, the footwork and, and doing certain moves and having certain type of balance. Um, and, I was just talking about this with my, with my kids. I used to watch Allen Iverson. He was a, a person I used to watch and see his move. I didn't only watch him and see, oh, he got on his jersey or the hairstyle or whatever. I, I had to see what moves and what steps was he taking to get that space from these, you know, defenders and, and how did he accelerate so fast because they talk about how fast he is, you know what I'm saying? And me as a kid thinking, okay, I just got to do certain things and I'll be as fast as that person too, you know? Um, I just start doing certain moves, walking down the street, um, walking through people, doing certain hops and steps. And um, ultimately, I think that's where the skill came. And as far as using the technique, um, I, I tried to run routes the regular way, which I would say like the um, the original way with that, that, that receiver coaches taught straightforward. And, you know, and it, and it could be done. It could be done. It's great. But for me, I felt like it was too close when I when I finished my route and the ball was coming. It was the, the DB was too close to me. So, you know, I just thought on my own, like, let me let me do my basketball moves because I know I can always get space using right. basketball. And I just continuously um, incorporated that into my routes. So when I tell other other kids constantly create, you know, work on your craft, that's what it is. You know, being able to blend certain things that may not need to be blended in but trying to make it work and seeing if it works. And if it does, okay, let's keep doing that consistently so that they can then, you know, the higher powers can then recognize it. Um, 
you know, and as far as it being, you know, looked over two years in junior college. And then, you know, from, from a kid that hasn't been to any camps, you know, I've never been to, I've never really been involved in none of the football, you know, the world, that atmosphere. I, I just played cause you know, friends was playing and this was a way to stay out of trouble, you know, possibly a way to take care of the family. Thankfully it is. And um, I just kept leveling up. Um, so when you look back, it's like, okay, this kid had a thousand yards at Kentucky game winners, but that's one year, you know, he, he ran a four, five, six, maybe four, five, seven at the combine. Um, it's easy to pass up, especially when you got all these other guys out there. So, right. you know, that's, that's what I'll just say, say it was, you know, fair. Thanks Stevie. Indeed. Indeed. Real quick on that though, Stevie, like, I mean, how difficult is that to do your own thing, incorporate the basketball stuff, trust your instinct, your creativity, when you are this fringe player who's being overlooked and, you know, you know, a lot of guys in your position, it, it's, it's, I'm going to do whatever the coach tells me to do to a T like yes. to a T because yeah. my life depends on it. And you had the balls to just do your own thing and, and create something that receivers weren't doing before you. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm glad you even stopped on that, on that because it's, that's crude. That was a crucial point in my career of my life. I had to make a decision, you know, and I, I was that kid, that guy who was like, I must do everything that he say, because that's how I'm going to be on his team. You know what I'm saying? That's how I feed my family. Um, but when I was doing everything that he was saying, it, the results was okay, but I need to be separate from other players so that I, you know what I mean? I can kind of solidify a spot a little bit. Um, and, and then, and then another situation happened. It was uh, Kansas city. This is when I come, it's kind of bad, but good. This one, I kind of completely thought, all right, it don't matter what the coaches are saying. You know, I got to kind of do my thing and figure this out. So they always used to tell us to cut, you know, cut block on um, DBs. Go in there and take them out. Get it, this and that, blah, blah, blah. You got to, because if they break, then he always added, if, if, if that guy breaks, uh, stops our run, then you're going to get something, this and that. So I just, man, if I'm backside, cut off. Go to the legs and cut off. And I, and I cut off a, a safety in Kansas City, and it was Eric Berry. And I didn't know he broke. He ended up uh, tearing his knee up. And on that play, when it, when that happened, I was just like, I didn't have like I didn't have to do no freaking cut block on it. You know what I mean, like I could just get there and, and and use my skill that I know how. You know what I mean, and compete with him instead of going low like he telling me. And then it, that's just when I stopped and just start competing on my own, doing my own stuff completely. You know what I mean? When 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 the other player got hurt, you know, so. It's just it's crazy how, how things be happening, man. It be, it's crazy. That's and pretty wild. Tough. Hey, Todd, I don't even want to cut, but this is important. Like it's yeah. tough because because kids gotta understand this. That's coming up. Sometimes you gotta do your thing, and you gotta bite the bullet on a coach saying, "Hey, you're doing it wrong." But if you winning consistently, they will they will bend for you. You know what I'm saying? They will begin to bend for you. Don't be disrespectful. Um, I wish I wasn't disrespectful. I was quiet, but I, I just did things different. In in the space I was getting, it was getting love from the players, the the first string, and then the coaches came late. The coaches was the last to approve of it. So you just got to go through that fire. You feel me? And just keep just keep going through it, and, and eventually you'll break break through. So you felt bad. I mean, you wrecked his his knee. Yeah. It had to be a yeah. sinking feeling. Yeah, and and it's not like. 
like I was going for his knee, but I just remember vividly, like I'm running backside like a hundred miles an hour, like a freaking rookie. I was as a vet, you know, being, you know, having the years I spent in the league and thinking how I was moving in my mindset and listening to coaches and like, dude, come on now. That's, that's, that's crap, man. Just go out, just get to the spot. Basically just get to the spot and then, and then you can compete from there. You know, you ain't got to go run through, through somebody and put that type of pressure on people. Receivers prefer to get hit high than low too. I mean, I get yeah. it. Concussions are real CT, all that like written about, talked about it, but shit. I mean, you don't want, you don't want your knees taken out. You don't want, you don't want all that. Absolutely, man. The, the legs is like our, our cars, you know, our vehicles. And, um, you know, the head injuries, I, I feel like growing up in, in my era, I had concussions. You don't really say nothing because if you get off, somebody else go step in and take your spot. So you kind of play through it, shake the cobwebs out and you keep it and you keep it pushing. But with the legs, you can be done like that, you know, and that's what ultimately got me. So and it's funny, it, the last, it, the, it, I got out on my knee injury versus um, Brandon Flowers and he was a former Kansas City Chief. And I was, it was just it was just something about that, you know. Hey, came right back to me. <laughs> and Don has a question, but real quick, how many concussions do you think you played through? I know I played through three, um, three. from from games practice, maybe maybe four. So maybe about four four times, smacking my head on the ground. Yeah, I remember going to the hospital. Maybe three of those out of those probably seven seven times um you know Crap. due to yeah due to the hit and, and they were saying like dehydration also so you what know. was the worst one um junior college well junior college was my worst ones when i had a couple there and then um kentucky was a was a was a funny one i i i ended up getting i ended up getting concussed in the game and I wasn't coming out though. I couldn't come out. If I came out, remember I got that mindset if somebody else go take the spot and this is my first time getting in. So I, I'm trying to stay on, but I hit my head and I can't, I can't even see straight. Like it's, it's blur is literally blurry. And I'm just trying to shake it off. And then like, please Dre don't throw it this way. Dre is, is our quarterback, Andre Woodson, man, we got a streak up the sideline. Um, this is Louisville and I can't really see the ball. <laughs> like oh my goodness like the and then he like, just so happened to throw it my way too so I can't really judge the ball it was kind of low but I could have came back if I was clear-minded and got it but I was so blurry you know it, it's like it just looked like an unconventional like attempt at a catch but um yeah yeah ultimately I got the game winner at the end so I ended up making up for it thankfully but but yeah, man, like we just play through that type of stuff, you know. We, we play through that. It's pretty scary, man. Yeah. It's, you're doing you serious out. damage to your brain, yeah. you know. Exactly, but you know, if they say you out from a concussion, it ain't you don't have no nicks or nothing, you know. And then you got to sit out for two weeks. You feel me? Who a lot can happen within them two weeks. So I'd rather sacrifice a bad play, and you know, be able to keep going, and then you know, sitting out. Man. All righty, Don. Sorry to filibuster and, and go you know, on and on there. Right. Let's hear it. <laughs> I, I, I can listen to Stevie talk all day, that's for sure. Uh, I was just wondering, what was it like to have the, the biggest mansion and beachfront property on Revis Island 
because uh, you you own that guy. He could not cover you, and you could see like during the games, he gets so frustrated that how how is he constantly beating me? And even Fitz was able to like throw the ball to you where only you could get it. And Rebus is like nowhere in it, even in the picture on many occasions. Yeah. Oh man, sub sub Don, and thank you. Um, Rebus is a talent. I wish now, I wish we would have just attacked it even more. Like, hey, you know, we were still going off of playbook and game plan with, you know, coaches were sending in. I would, I wish I was more tapped in how I am now from the outside looking in on these matchups and just said, Fitz, man, every play, come on, let's, let's, let's go at him. Cause I know he can't, he can't, he can't keep up with me. You know what I mean? And, you know, not to take anything away from him, but I just accredit. It's a different style, a different movement that DBs aren't prepared for, they, that they didn't train for. And that's my main thing. I was like, I'm doing things out here that the DBs aren't training for during the off season or during season. You know, they were they 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 practice on cones, certain steps and then break. And then it's not, they're not ready for it when you hop or when you skip somewhere or do do uh, irky jerk moves, you know, in, in the middle of routes. It, it makes them think. And as a receiver, as a technician, you got to know, okay, while they're thinking, they're loading. All right, let me get, let me use leverage and, and on to my next move, you know? Um, and then, and, and I was, it was just fun. It was, it was just fun, man. You know, seeing how Rebus was locking everybody up. And right. I, I simply watched film on him probably five minutes. Like, okay, he, he did, he, I seen how he locked down the, the top receivers and I noticed he has good patience and balance. You know, good patience. Um, if you get a hand on you, somehow he's strong enough to stay with you. So so with that kind of person, I'm going to get him off his spot by doing a bunch of crazy moves just to because I know he's patient. Let me just throw him off right here, do this. And then one, two, all right, now let me snap off. And he'll be left. He's going to be behind you every time, you know what I'm saying, if he don't attack you. So, you know, it, was, it, it's, it wasn't even that difficult, to be honest. So um, one other quick follow-up. So I believe it was a Raiders game where you guys had like a good comeback right at the end. And there's like, I think Fitz was mic'd up and you can hear him saying after one of the passes, like, come on, Stevie. Do you yeah. know what that was all about? Or what What was yeah. that one thing? Cause yeah. I just love like that sound come ahead. Come on, Stevie. Hey, look. So even, <laughs> even with those, those games against Revis, I had torn growing and <laughs> That time he they they got me slacking. I ain't, I'm gonna keep it real. He, they they caught me slacking, and uh, he threw a whole shot that I, that I didn't really that I didn't get to. And you know, Fitz is a gamer. I, man, love him to death. He's a gamer. He let me. He he allowed me to do certain things that you know certain player certain receivers didn't didn't have with they they uh they quarterback like you know coming off the ball. He just give me this sign. You know, and that's basically you do you. I'll read you. You know what I'm saying? I'm either running slant or, or the fade in the red zone. So, you know, we did. We did. He's a he's a dope quarterback. I mean, when he signs that contract, you're probably thinking we're building, we're building something to yeah. last here in Buffalo. Yeah, and then and then coaching change happens. Ultimately, I can't even say then coaching change happens. Like we didn't win. You know. Um, and, and it brought on the coaching change. And then just, just like that, um, another coach comes in and then our, our quarterback is gone. Um, and, you know, it just happened like that. Yeah, yeah. All right, Charlie, let's hear it, man. 
Oh, so on, on the fits front, I'm glad we're talking about fits. What, Stevie, is your reaction when, when you see what I'm going to call a, a soon-to-be iconic image of Fitz shirtless and, and two-degree buffalo? And, <laughs> and you know, what, what, what's your existing relationship with him? Are, are you reaching out to him to, to kind of bust his balls, or, or how does that go? No, 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 not to bust his balls or anything. Just to, you know, congrats on another season, you know, made it through. Um but just seeing that, that's a test. That's that's a testament to the to the Bills society, the community. Also, you know, that's that's him as a as a as a person. Everybody from Buffalo understand who Fitz is, but you know, people from outside that's that's tuned in. Like that's just him, you know, out there shirtless, and um, for another team, you know, what I mean, this is you know, this is home. But that's that's like I said, Buffalo is different. It's a different community. Every fan base is great, and I I don't disrespect none. But you know, it's once you get involved with the Buffalo uh, fan base, it's, it's something totally different. It's literally literally family. So, um, you know, he comfortable like that. Comfortable to take a shirt off at the crib. <laughs> <laughs> it's cold. It was cold, man. It was cold that night. Not yeah, but you're not thinking of when when plays is happening like that. Cold is the, that's the last thing we thinking about. You know what I mean? Joseph. Hey, Steve, I want, I got it. Uh, I want to ask you about your final year in Buffalo. I always, it was with Doug Marone, EJ Manuel. I always kind of felt like there was something off about that year with you guys, like together. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the fact that you got traded in the off season when I thought, you, Sammy, and Robert Woods would have been like a great trio together, and they they traded you like the next day. Did right. you feel like there was anything like off that final year between like the new coach and like the new quarterback or anything like that? Like, did you yeah. see looking in hindsight like there was something off that final yeah. year there? Yeah, man, it was it was definitely it turned into a transition year fast, uh, where to where we assumed after a contract for our quarterback to um you know we'll, we'll have another year then we then they drafted a first round quarterback so okay we'll groom this first round quarterback in and then obviously the writing's on the wall fits me and you may be gone because um you know they was asking me about receivers which i was telling them about matt barkley and, and robert woods um and then so you know they end up going to get ej ej was a good prospect and he had the tools, but it was, it was, uh, uh, to be honest, it was a lot for him as a rookie. And I was, I would have said more so having Fitz or another free agent quarterback to come in and, and, and take over that year. Cause you know, it wasn't time for EJ and um, yeah, that's what you're saying as far as with the receiving core. Oh, just, or, or of it being off. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely off. You know, you go from Chan Gailey, to having Doug Marone, you know, and Doug Marone, he came in and he was like, you know, he was just different. He, he, he used his ways, you know, from, I think he came from Syracuse and, you know, so it, it was a little bit different, but that as a player, you dealt with that in AAU. So that, that didn't have nothing to do with the, you know, wins and losses, you know? Um, yeah. I just, I just felt like, I just felt like it's, we just, we, if we could have did better, it, we wouldn't be talking about it then. So Stevie, when I was at, I went to Syracuse and covered Marone's first year there at the Daily Orange, our student newspaper, 20 plus guys either got like kicked off the team, 
quit the team, got out of there. I mean, he was making guys cut their hair and he tried to explain to us that it was a matter of like, you know, science with the helmet, like you could do brain damage or head damage. And I'm, and I'm thinking, uh, I don't know if Doug Marone really seems like Stevie Johnson's kind of coach here. Uh, I met, did you see some of that stuff behind the scenes when it came to Marone? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was, it was, it was just like some, a lot of unnecessary stuff. Um, and, and we get it, you know what I mean? Cause we wasn't, we didn't, we wasn't winning. We weren't going to the playoffs. So how can you say anything to combat what they are trying to do? You know, okay. They trying to change up the culture. So you got to roll with it, but um, it's funny. Okay. So are we, we, we telling stories then? Uh, so I get in trouble. <laughs> I get in trouble with, the, with, with Marone, you know, first he calls me out. I don't, I'm not outspoken as much, you know, even after they know I work though. I work at practice, go do my thing. But um, so after like, a, I think it was the Bugs game or something, you know, he gets home, Darius, hard, you know, about him missing or being late, not even missing, being late to the, the, the morning meeting on like Monday or something. I don't know what day it was. We all the way in Sunday and you getting on this guy in this. Anyway, so so after the game, he like, you guys got something to say or this and that, blah, blah, blah. You know, he bashing on, you got guys that's not coming here, this and that. Okay. So then he said, Stevie, you got something to say? Just put me on the spot. Like, I don't ever talk. What are you? Whoa. <laughs> so he said, you got something to say? To, right. Yeah. Yeah, I got something to say. I, I feel like y'all I feel like y'all getting on Marcel about this, this Monday stuff, but I think it's more so about people need to bring their attitudes on Sunday and, and these each play compete, you know what I'm saying, and not be thinking about what's going on. You know what I mean? On these other times, and then and he just instantly called me out like, yeah, that's a poison, you know? He's like, yeah, he's that's our reason. You know, so like, why did you tell me to speak? And I'm gonna speak my mind. I always seem to say some some stuff that sound wrong or come out wrong, but you know, I don't mean it that way. I just mean like, yo, we need to nut up on freaking Sunday on this play and kick this dude's ass right here, so we can win these games and not be thinking so technically. You know, but you know, it was it was it was one of those type of things. But you know, it is what it is. He he used the word poison. Poison. Right, right after he gets me to say something, <laughs> you know, and then like it ain't like I even attacked them. I just said like I even went to directly to the team. Yo, like you need to beat this person better. Like you know what I mean? Like come on, like we all got to do our part. And if we if it's more of us winning on these plays, then we should have a successful play. You know, yeah, it's gonna be some bad things that happen, but you know, come on, be a dog out there. You know, sometimes you ain't got it ain't about reading the paper, the uh, the playbook or the or the paperwork. You just got to beat that guy, man. Like, and and then when you know when I said it immediately after, poison. That's our poison. Like okay, I'll just whatever, whatever. In front of the whole team too. Yeah, immediately after. So guys, I would think that that probably is going to turn some guys off in the moment, it, right? It, yeah, yeah, indeed. And I think it, I think it, it turns a lot of uh, some people off against me too. And it's like, um. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, that's why I like to be quiet mainly. You know what I mean? Because, uh, you know, when, when things happen, the communication may not come out right. And, hey, but then at the end of the day, so everybody ain't going to like it. You feel me? Everybody ain't going to like it. And, and, and it is what it is for them. Well, the good thing is he just got a job back in the NFL. So you can't keep Doug Marone down. He's uh, he's going to coach till he's like, you know, 90 or 100, I think. In, yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, you know, I, uh, to everybody i want everybody to su- succeed it's just uh you know and everybody got their ways you know um 
he got his, we got, I got mine, you got yours, you know, and then everybody ain't go, ain't go mesh, but you yeah. know, it's all a learning process, it's a learning situation, you know what I'm saying, that I can be teaching to, uh, to my younger athletes. It is nuts. I mean, I remember Mike Williams was on the Syracuse team that year. His first year yeah. would have been 09. This was this is why I was shocked that he like even wanted Mike Williams with the Bills in the NFL. But like he was like fed up with Mike and want, put it up for a team vote. Like, do you guys want him on the team or not? And what I was told back then is like all of the black players like went to one side of the room. All of the white players went to another side, you know, by and large, obviously more african-americans than caucasian on the syracuse football team and he said when he went to call up mike williams or a player told me that when he went to call up mike williams to tell him he's on the team um this was after like i guess the night before he went out to turning stone he wasn't drinking or anything but it was out late at night partying like a lot of guys were then uh mike williams didn't answer his phone and Mike later said it was because he had like swine flu and his phone was in his room and he couldn't get to it. Like the day after that, he went to Marone and was like, I want to be on the team. Let's go. Let's go. And Marone was like, no, you're done. You didn't answer your phone. You're done. That was it. And, and I was like, and it, he, he brought Mike back and he's yeah. in the NFL. You're dealing with grown ass adults. It just seemed like a really bad mix. Yeah. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was funny, man. Cause uh, when they asked me who should, who should we draft? And I told them, I said, once I said, Matt Barkley and, and Robert Woods, I know what's going on, but keep that connection together. Make them come here and get a year under me and Fitz, and then they can take off. And we, you can send us somewhere or you can restructure my contract because I would love to stay here and finish my career here or break the drought, try to break this drought and then go somewhere else. Um, but once he came, it just, it, he did it his way. Like you just said, he did it his way. And um, so when they drafted Sammy and, and, wasn't, and um, EJ, they uh, they was at the airport. I was going back to the house to to San Francisco, and then and then Mike Williams. I was seeing Mike Williams in the airport, so we ran into each other. Then there's Marone, and then there's uh, Andre Reed. There, I'm like, yo, what's going on? Like, running everybody, <laughs> <laughs> and then so yeah, they bring him in. And next thing you know, like when I was flying out, they was like, yep, you got traded to the Niners, and I'm like, okay, yeah. So they brought Mike in because that's his guy from college. You feel me? I didn't know none of the things that was going on in college, though. But, you know, Mike, and he's from Buffalo, which is cool for the city. So in a sense, they was, I guess it was kind of, they, they thought it out. You know, I would say they, they thought it out. Uh, you know, I didn't make a lot of noise, sent me back home. So, you know, I can't complain going back home. No, no doubt. And Mike had some demons. He wasn't a choir boy. You know, there were some yeah, issues yeah, down there yeah. in Tampa and whatnot, but... uh man yeah i know we got a few more people in here so yeah just fire away if anybody has a question for stevie yeah i got one more stevie um when you retire you how did you end up retiring because it was kind of weird like you were at san diego and the next thing i know it's like you're you're kind of done and like after that like was that like you decided to retire or like the teams like not call you because you you're you're a young you're a young dude like you're like i think what you got drafted in 2007 so i think you're like yeah. right now you're like in your, your mid-30s and like yeah how did that happen like in terms of like after saying did you just did you decide you didn't want to play anymore or was it like offers were like they didn't want you back or like or in the nfl like how did you end up like retiring basically at the end of yeah. the day good question good question so like a lot of my injuries they happened it was like behind closed doors a lot of people wouldn't know like like even the, like the years going up um, with a thousand yards, I had the torn groin. I had I fractured my back. 
You know what I mean? I had the broken ribs, my knees. Um, but all of that was, you know, I took, I, I did the extra to keep my body going for the season to try to maintain. And then when I went to, um, you know, San Francisco, a lot of people didn't know I, I, I tore my knee again. And, but that was going towards the off season. So, you know, we didn't really post much about it, but I was going through that. And then, so when I got to San Diego, uh, when I got into San Diego, I ended up getting a, uh, another knee scope before and then training camp that second year, um, which would have been my, which would have been my last year in, in San Diego. Um, second day of practice, uh, tore my, tore my knee up again, my other knee. And then from, so from there, I was just like, man, and like, I don't know, like, is it going to just continue happen with my knees or something, you know? So I was just, at that point, I just decided like it, I'm go, I'm going to stop now before I do, do um, permanent damage. Um, I went to go get my, my reconstruct my, or my knee, my knee surgery. And the doctor told me you can get this metal. It was like metal something inside my knee and take away the ligaments and all that. And I was just like, nah, man. Cause you know, like we got, I got more life to live. I would say. And that was my decision then, you know, as I was on that bed, you know, seeing, do I keep my regular, my knee joints and all that, or do I put the, uh, the metal thing in? Um, and, you know, that was my decision to, to retire. So Stevie, would you let your kids play football or contact sports or how, how do you feel about that? Um, I, I would, I would, well, first I would do this. Yes. I would to answer it. Yes. I will let them play. However, it's a way to let them play. I wouldn't just throw them in there. You know, I would get them training. I would be out there working with them first to see if they can protect themselves. Um, because it's just, it's nothing worse than a, a kid going out there that can't protect himself and don't know what's going on. That's, that's the, the higher risk of injury. So, you know, um, will I be, am I the, am I the parent that's, Hey, you gotta be at this, you gotta do this and then be on this team. Go, that's, that's not me. That's not me at all. You know? Um, but yeah, there's ways to go about it. You got to prep them, prep the kids and strengthen them up, strengthen their mind up and keep them prepared, communicate about the life that they're, that they're about to be going into, you know? Um, and then just ultimately seeing if they having fun with it, they want to do this. I, I think you probably do a little bit of that right now with your exposure Academy, right? Can you, can you talk exactly. a little bit about that? Like how, how you, how you got that off the ground and, and kind of where it's going. Yeah. So ex exposure Academy is something sweet. And I got this idea from the rookie symposium. I was fortunate enough to get drafted and they fly us out. Uh, it's different spots every year, I believe. Um, but I think we was out in San Diego this time. And they, they, they run us through a bunch of, you know, situations and experiences. And they, they, they got different mentors uh, coming in for workshops. And uh, they just provide a lot of healthy knowledge and info for what we're about to step into. And, um, and I just felt like everybody need this. You know, they only did it for drafted, for draftees. Me as a junior college player, I want to provide a platform for junior college players. And, and that's where I ultimately brought up Exposure Academy. It's a, it's a two to four week program where we take 16 athletes, whether this year it'll be DBs and receivers and two quarterbacks, and we house them. And then we, each day, we put them through, you know, on the field lessons and skill training, and then off the field teaching them things like cooking and um, being out in the world and situations that they may deal with. Um, and, and, you know, we film it and just prepare them for, you know, their next level of, of college and ultimately into the NFL. 
And it's just a way that I can, you know, ultimately give back and and be able to communicate with these with these kids and these athletes around the world. So glad Charlie brought that up too. I think you mentioned uh, when we chatted a few months ago how like the pandemic almost made you kind of reassess life in a way like how can I really impact the world? How can I really give back? What what really matters? Indeed, indeed, and and ultimately it brought me to you know expanding that that club HBHF umbrella and Exposure Academy is huge for it because I also realized not only with the athletes, will they will they get uh, help and success from it? But I also thought about like the retired at players, the um, the players that's currently in the league that's not even thinking about off field, you know, um, business and Exposure Academy will provide for them. You know, they'll be able to have their own franchise, their own community um, youth leagues and sports programs. So when, you know, when it's their time to to hang up the cleats or whatnot, they can just smooth jump in, jump into their own uh, organization. So um, it's, it's, it's building up and, and it's looking good. It's, it's promising. We got a, a Arizona right now locked in with um, currently doing football and basketball sports. Um, and we, we're pushing it in Buffalo. We want to get it heavy in Buffalo. That's where I'm dear to. And uh, we got our team out there and Anthony Homer, uh, Lee Banky, and, and Charlie from Full Circuit um, really locked in and, and ready to, you know, provide exposure for Buffalo. Phenomenal. Love it. Hey, hey Stevie, I have a, I have a question. Um, your, your teammates, I think for a year with uh, Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. And I guess I'll, I'll ask the typical reporter question. Can you talk about Marshawn Lynch as a teammate? <laughs> yeah. what, what, what he was like as, I mean, that young player when you're with him? Man, so um, so Marshawn, he grew up, like, I'm in San Francisco. He grew up across the bridge in Oakland. So I always heard about he had 500 yards in a game, uh, this many touchdowns, you know, one championship. So you always heard the name. So he already goaded out there in the Bay. And then you come out to, um, I'll tell you a story. So I, I was going to train for the NFL. And then, you know, Marshawn comes in, he come into the training facility and he's got, he's got, you know, white t-shirt on. He's got his jeans on, you know what I'm saying? His Nike shoes, his beanie on. Um, and then they like, they like, like, like you coming to work out? He like, yeah, yeah, I'm here. So he goes over there and he's like, I don't know. There's probably like 300 pounds on it. I don't know what it is. He just lifts it easily. He's doing it. He's doing his work in his in his regular gear, and it's like he different. You know, he just, he different, and it ain't no. And like I once again, it's not a disrespectful different. It's just he's just different. <laughs> you know, coming to the workout with that attire, showing he can do he can you know do it all. Um, and then you know that that year up there, it was it was one of them things like we just talked about with Marone. And myself, I, it's unbelievable how Gailey and, and um, Marshawn didn't click, you know, because Gailey is the mind for, Mar you know what I'm saying, for that type of player. But I think when Gailey first got, got came in, he was more strict, you know what I'm saying, and trying to organize, you know, the pressures of a new coach coming in trying to do that. And it, and it just wasn't clicking with Marshawn. I guess, I guess the follow-up, maybe, Ty, you could jump in on this. Um, how – I was talking to my friend the other day about Marshawn and like how just, I mean, how unbelievable he was as a player, but I feel like his temperament and his personality would have been a perfect fit on this Bills team, like the 2020, 2021 Bills. I mean, how, Stevie, being an outsider, do you think 
mean, just his skill set for this offense is what they need. And I think exactly. his personality would have been just a perfect fit. I mean, am I off on that? Or is that something you see too? Ty, maybe jump on that? Yeah. No, I think that's, I think you spot on with it. You know, he's he not the type that want to be front and center and I'm the man that's not, you know, with this team, we got a, a ton, there's a ton of stars on this, on this squad. The main one being Josh, of course. And, and then, you know, with how he throw the ball to his receivers, but with Marshawn, he wants that. Yeah. Let me, let them not think about me. <laughs> and then let them just eat, eat you up on them screens them slow screens and them handoffs and them, you know, counters or delays traps. Yeah. Yeah, so like it had been perfect for him. You know, he he don't he don't really show that he couldn't be a good player um, on the team anywhere he went. Yeah. No, I I think you guys are absolutely right. Like the and Brandon Bean and even McDermott, I guess they've been willing to think outside the box personality yeah. wise. You know, right? They the Antonio Brown trade was done. Everybody thought Antonio Brown was going to be a Bill and doesn't want to play for the Bills. They settle in quotes you know with Stefan Diggs and later on things work out so it's great like what would have happened if Antonio Brown is a bill and you don't get Diggs and you have a young Josh Allen it I don't like that's an extreme example like he is kind of maybe you even know something about Antonio Brown that we don't so please let us know but that he he's kind of his own he's a little out there a little different but that's where maybe yeah. a risk can back can backfire if you are open to everything um, it could, you know, you bring him in, they're probably not as good and as set up as they are right now. Right. Yeah. And, and big shout out to the management because they are t- trying to take those risks though, you know, and that's, that's ultimately what we wanted more of, you know, take them risks with back in the day. But, um, if we was to get Antonio, who, who knows I, all I heard from him, you know, I'm, um, family with Darius Hayward Bay and he played with him in Pittsburgh and he just said, he's man hard worker he worked he worked hard you know um the only thing i would say after seeing everything that's been happening even just like the uh, with the question about marshawn like marshawn is not a disrespectful different you know what i'm saying like i would brown he coming off as a disrespectful type of different of course we all want the ball we want this and that but you feel me um you know it's, it's just a difference yeah. and, and i ain't even gonna say i'm all the way against brown though you know what i'm saying it's just, it's just, it's just a different type of person uh, with Marshawn and and Antonio Brown uh, situations being on being on and off teams. Absolutely, uh, Kyle has been uh, holding up his hand here. Let let it go, Kyle. Yeah. Hey Stevie, thanks for doing this. This is uh, awesome to listen to so far. All good, no worries. So, uh, I had a question about that 2011 season. Uh, you guys started off five and two. You had that awesome win over the Patriots. I was in the stadium; and it was just nuts that day. And then after that five and two start, you guys went to lose uh, seven straight games, and then it just kind of fell apart there. Uh, I know injuries were a big component of you guys. Just didn't have the manpower to keep up with that. But what was the locker room like after that five and two start, and then that? losing streak like what did you guys do to try to keep it together um what was the dynamic in there when going through that losing streak yeah the it was it was it was like next week the next week we gotta get it and then the next week it it, would turn into a shootout or a closed game and we just didn't we didn't we didn't come out on top so it was always like that type of feeling so that kind of ties into the first question about tanking you know they would think oh he's losing straight seven straight and then what do you guys think? Nah, ain't no tanking. Oh, we gonna lose and get it. 
we was like, man, all right, it's going to be different this next week. Oh, it's going to be different this next week. And, you know, just ultimately it, was, it wasn't a difference in the, in the win column for us, you know, that, that year. But it was, it was a lot of hard work and guys with, with talent on those teams, man. There was never that arrogance, hey, we're, we're, we made it. We can, you know, we, we can beat anybody. It just kind of just lost, just kind of stacked up on top of each other after that. It was never, uh, we got this and we're going to beat anybody like after that 5-2 start. Yeah, no, nah, nope. I, I don't think the guys on the team like George Wilson, he was a, a good leader out there. And he made sure guys wasn't um, actively boasting or, or bragging, you know, in a sense. Um, you know, we it would it, it, just, it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen for us. It just didn't happen for us. Uh, thank you. Yep, no problem. Hey, Stevie, um, you I, I remember this quote because you played with T.O., back in 2009 and he talked about how like all the young wide receivers are coming to me and I remember this quote because he talked about it in training camp and people were coming to his dorm and I'm assuming you were one of those wide receivers because that was your second year I think it was do you have any yeah do you have any T.O. stories and like you know talking to him like when you were a young you know young guy and playing with him like how was he like as a teammate yeah uh so I would, t it was great to see him, great to see him uh, in, live in action. Me being from San Francisco in the stands, you know, watching him do his thing. Um, and then ultimately being in the NFL, I didn't think I was going to be in the NFL when I was watching him, but he kind of caught my eye to having fun in the, in the end zone. And then when he came to Buffalo, I didn't, I didn't even, I, I, you know, what's up? Hey, what's up? This and that. I'm a second year. I'm just going to fall back and chill. I didn't even say anything to him. I just observed the way he moved, you know, um, the way he attacked practice, the way he, um, at it's later on in the season, it get cold out there. It get cold in Buffalo. And he still came with the same hunger during one-on-ones that he had when it was spring and birds flying, chirping and everything in, in Buffalo. So it just it just showed me how I just appreciated his his um his work ethic, and I also appreciated his mindset. He was different at that. He was um different in a sense in the media. People thought this and that of him, and I understood why after being in meetings with him because he would always voice his opinion on certain things that he you know that he felt. Um, and I thought I thought it what he wasn't far off. He wasn't off though, you know. So you know he just got a bad rep or bad rap or whatnot but yeah and then um so one story with me talking to him mainly was you know when when he was gone he was gone and i was it was gonna be my first year starting i just text him before the season like man it's gonna be my first year this and that and um like how'd you feel your your first year you know and he was just like just think about your fan you know you you can do you can do everything already just, just think about your fam and, and go out there and play ball. And um, <laughs> I went to sleep, and then shoot, that was my what the third year, week year three for me. But he was gone. He was gone by that time. Did uh did Plaxico Burris ever uh, say anything to you about that celebration? I never asked you that because that was a that's an all time celebration there. Yeah, nah, man, he didn't. <laughs> but I. I thought that it would be it would turn into something fun. That's like one of them communications thing. Hey, say something to the team after this after this loss, Steve. Hey, I, hey, man, you shot yourself, bro. And, you know what I'm saying? You're here catching touchdowns and still getting paid. 
why are you acting like this right now? You know the Bills and Jets got a rivalry thing. Like, why are y'all acting so weird right now? You know, and it just threw me for a loop. I didn't even want to, I, if, even if he wanted to say something to me, I wouldn't even want to hear it because it's like, like, dog, you already took it personal. Like, why are you, yeah. you know, he's over here healthy making money. Like, let's have fun, dog. We need more, like, well-thought-out taunts, you know, smart, you know, that's going to hit him between the eyes. You know, if it makes somebody feel bad, that's a good yeah. thing. You know, you should be rewarded 15 yards, I feel like, for yeah, something yeah, like that. That was great. It was some scooters a little bit closer on that extra right. point. Yeah. You know, he, he shot himself I, in the leg, need, you know? We need a, cele- uh, um, a celebration judge. Is it is it worth three yards uh, closer or three yards back? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Like Antoine Winfield last year in the Super Bowl, dropping oh. the piece. Like the timing of that, game over, was, in your face. It was beautiful. Dude, yeah, exactly. Come on now. One yard line. That's a one yard line right there. Um, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's it's fun though, man. I, that's that's what it's about. Like if, as long as it's not disrespectful, like if he, if he wasn't playing – you know, and he was on the roster before the season and he shot himself and then he wasn't playing, I would never do no stuff like that, like, at all. You know, I, I would go back to um, – I would go to San Antonio doing the jet. You know, let's have fun with the jet. Then they try to say I'm um, assassination, assassin or something, talking about – come on. Well, you're not going to do it while he's bleeding out in the hospital. That's, yeah. I mean, you're, huh? You've got a heart. <laughs> No, nah, we go ask if you need help up, and then we know that you're all right. Then we go start laughing at you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, awesome. man, it's all good though. It's all love. Well, this, this has been unbelievable. You... No, go how ahead. You got you... one more. Oh, sorry. Oh, just, how much did you get fined for the "Why So Serious" T-shirt? And so, and that was hilarious when you did it against the Bengals and everything. But then. Didn't you do something similar against the Patriots when we yeah. were up like 21 to nothing? And we, I don't think we saw you the rest of the game. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Then, then, my, then my guy, Grandpa uh, Gailey, he got me. Yeah, he sat me down. <laughs> I wasn't mad at him. He, But I was upset. Like, yo, we could have won this game. But, uh, yeah, 50,000, man. 50,000 they got me. Oh, my God. 50, and, they, and then, look, the thing is, the rules were so funky. The first one was, oh, you get twenty five thousand because um, CJ Spiller's hand is touching you, so it's a team celebration. So you get double, you get the double fine or something, and the penalty. Um, and then with the celebrate, the Happy New Year. Now you can't write nothing on your shirt. Like you didn't say this about the Why So Serious. You said it was a team thing, you know. So they, they was just, it was just ridiculous at at that time. And I knew I wasn't doing nothing disrespectful, and I was getting paid, so. I'm, I'm going to keep it going because I'm, I'm going to have fun. This is what I even came to the league. You know, that's how I got introduced to the league, you know? So, you know, I, I, it is, uh, it is what it is. It did. Like you, you brought it up though. We was up 21, nothing. And then I got benched and then we lost the game. So I, I, I kind of cost us. Oh, I got to, I got <laughs> to ask you real quick, Stevie, then, then sorry. Did, were there any, any celebrations that weren't that you couldn't do because like, Unfortunately, you couldn't like you didn't score or something like that. Yes. Like, did you have oh. another T-shirt marked up that said like <laughs> like Tom no, Brady likes X or whatever, like anything like that? That's a good question. So I I wanted to do this one so bad. Uh, it would have happened ultimately in San Diego. Um, I told my teammate, I, I, it was Tyrell Williams at the time. I said, hold my phone, keep my phone with you because he wasn't dressed up. So I'm gonna score, and then I'm gonna get on my phone and I'm gonna go live from the sideline. 
And you know what I mean? We talk, have him talking with the fans like, yeah, yeah, you score, you see that? Got the scoreboard in the back and this and that, doing that. So I figured that would have been something like, uh, that would have been next level where they would have been putting that in games. You know, it would have been on commercials and stuff. But um, ultimately I didn't get to do it. I didn't get in the end zone. And then I think Super Bowl, I mean, not Super Bowl, the Pro Bowl after that, uh, somebody had it. Somebody, I think they was doing like live things on at the Pro Bowl. I was like, dang, I, I could have been the first to do that. That's one of them. So what do you think of the crackdown on the whole taunting and everything? And when it's so, I guess, at the discretion of these old codger referees, meanwhile, everybody at home is laughing. And Ty bangs his drum every every week. And yeah. it's, it's like, let's have some fun. Like, granted, I, I, who cares if the guy gets upset that you're taunting him? And good. It's like. Right. <laughs> he should be upset that he got pushed on the ground. Yes. Last, right? Like, come on. Yeah. Like, it, it's it, like, it, I stepped on you and I housed you in front of everybody. You deserve to be made fun of. Right. Everybody celebrates a high step. The referee high step when he scored on his kids. So it's, it's <laughs> like, it's like, come on. If they do, but if they do something disrespectful or, you know, some ill, ill intent, then yeah, throw that flag, give them the fine. But you know, just op- just open it, keep it, keep it open for them, man. Even even with the peace signs, while you running down the field, you know, don't don't throw no flags on that. You know, that's gonna ultimately bring them bring more money because th- then more kids go want to be playing and do those things, and you know, ultimately it, it's, it just generates more more money. Yeah, even in like the playoff game, you got like uh, Tyreek Hill. He gets no penalty, but he gets fined. It's like. Come yeah. on. So the refs are being smart about it. Now the league is stupid about it. Exactly. It's got to be a balance. It's got to be a balance. And, and that's that. That's where the, the bad side of the business come in, where we be like, oh, man, that's where we don't like the NFL. But we ultimately, you know, we love it. It's, it's, it's nothing's perfect. Nothing's perfect, but it'll it'll change. It's such so a good Steve, point, though, Steve. Like Oops, sorry, Ty. Oh, d- real quick, Don, like, like, yeah. but Steve makes a good point. Like that's more money for the teams and for the league. Like you can market this stuff. Right. Yeah. right? I mean, it, you turn on NFL network and everybody's all cheery and happy and laughing and trying to have fun. Like this is fun. Isn't it what you want as a league? Right. Right. Yeah. And it just takes but, that one line to, to take that chance and say, look, we go, let's, let's, let's cut the, you know, the, 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 the penalties and et cetera all as one and then and then just like that it'll change so it just yeah, it just yeah. take one one brain one mind to spark and set that off you're right you're right well don hayes if uh you got one more there don sorry to cut yeah i was just gonna ask him do you do you play fantasy at all and uh like how'd you do this year if you do uh i didn't play this year but i i have played and um i need to get it i need to get it back going i wanted to get uh trophies actually uh, for next season, I want to start a fantasy league. Uh, I just found this trophy shop out here in San Diego, and I want to I want to present it to the winner of of, of our league. So uh, just be on the lookout for that, and and we'll get it going. Are you happy in a fantasy? I keep trying to get Ty to start up a go long league. I, I was <laughs> okay, gonna say maybe this is it. This is it. Exactly. Maybe yeah. This would be it. Maybe we just partner and do the uh, and do the go long uh, fantasy league, and then. And let's do it because I've I seen this cool trophy, man. It's, it's so cool. And I think the winner would really enjoy it uh, in, the, in their cave. Well, I, February 11th, 2022 is the creation of the Go Long Fantasy Football let's League, Stevie. You just made it happen. We're doing let's it. Go. Say no more. <laughs> let's go. For years to come now. 
Yes, absolutely. Dude, that was amazing. We cannot thank you enough for just hanging out with us, you know, telling lies here for an hour. That was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. And um, I know y'all in Buffalo, we got our our HBHF camp coming up. And uh, yeah, so bring your kids out there. We'll be out there from nine to nine, about about five in at four. But, you know, stay around a little bit. And um, we have the Sportsplex in Tonawanda. So, um, yeah, come come out and and learn or just hang out and, and just enjoy the vibes. Where can they go? Like, where can they learn more? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can you can get this at hbhf.club, you know, online or you can you can go to the Eventbrite and then type in, you know, Exposure Academy uh, Club HBHF and then you'll see uh, North Tonawanda uh, Sportsplex and then, you know, you'll be able to register there in the, in the ticket. So just so that they know it's, it's twenty five dollars and um, yeah, and then and you're good to go. We got we got the training and the competition. And uh, it's, it's going to be live. I'm, I'm excited to be posting about it. Fantastic. I mean, you're really changing lives. So thank you for doing what you do, Stevie. Oh, yeah. So much more to come. So much more to come, man. Great. Well, thanks so much for hanging out. And uh, and thanks to everybody for hanging out. Always love doing these. And we'll, uh, we got to have you back any day, any time. You know, open invite. Yeah. And we'll, we'll keep it going. Hey, yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll be back soon. You know, I, we got some things in the works. You know, me and, me and my guy, uh, CR, we're creating children's books. So you'll, you'll, you'll see us soon. I like it. I like it. We'll let people know. All right. Take care, y'all. Take care, man. Thanks so much, Stevie. Peace.